0: Good morning again, family. So I appreciate that prayer, Pastor Michelle. Y'all continue to pray for me. I am tired. Had a long weekend. We had a great leadership retreat Friday and Saturday that I was at and hung out with some friends last night. And as happens at times, the sermon preparation was a little bit slow in coming, even though I started much earlier than I normally do. So it was some late nights, the last couple nights and early mornings, trying to discern and hear from God about what I've been studying and be able to present it in a way that is faithful to what he has been saying. So I specifically appreciate Pastor Michelle, the part about just how God has been working in me and being able to share that because that's that's where the process has been. <laughs> Not rough, but but just a little bit longer than normal. So I appreciate that. Today, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter two. So if you want to turn your Bibles there we're continuing our series on the Apostles Creed so we've been going through kind of line by line piece by piece through the Apostles Creed which is what we hold to what we what we say we believe as a church as a collective body together due to um, celebrating God's faithfulness through Pastor David last week and surprising him and not having a sermon we're uh, we're doubling up this week so we are uh, we're going to be talking about the two statements I believe in the Holy Spirit and the holy christian church. So we're going to combine those together today, knock them both out, but I think we can do it in faithfulness to the text and and to and do justice to both of them as well. So we're going to read Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 through 22. So if you are able, if you can join me in standing as I read, I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. And you could obviously follow along in whatever version you have. Ephesians 2:19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. So loneliness is a feeling that we all experience at some point in our lives. And loneliness can take on different forms and, and be caused by different things. So sometimes loneliness is the absence of other people physically around us, right? That we, we may spend our lives, in, and I think the pandemic really showed this in great detail, but we can connect with people online in different ways through Zoom and social media and all these kind of things. We can be connected to people around the world online, but feel so isolated and lonely because we don't we lack day-to-day interactions with family, friends, even strangers. But loneliness at other times can be a lack of emotional connection to people, where we can physically be in a room like this, surrounded by people, but feel so alone, feel unseen, feel like, like we're not heard or we're not known by those people that we surround ourselves with. This leads to to feeling like nobody cares about us, that that we are truly alone and by ourselves, that we're separated somehow from the rest of society, that on the outside seems like everybody else is connected in meaningful ways when we're not. But here in the book of Ephesians, Paul is addressing a division that's happening within the believers here in Ephesus. It was a division that had developed among quite a few groups of people who followed Jesus at the time. There were the Jews who were born into the nation of Israel who had been following Jesus, and there were times where these Jewish Christians began to act like they had a special relationship with God because of their Jewishness, because of their ethnicity. Meanwhile, the Gentile Christians, which are all those others who were not born in the nation of Israel, were made to feel like second-class citizens in some senses simply because they weren't Jewish. And made to feel like they didn't have the same type of access unless they became, in some ways, Jewish, at least in some contexts. And so there was, a, there was a feeling of not being able to fully experience and integrate into the fellowship of the church. But what Paul wanted the Ephesian church to know is that all of them, whether Jews or Gentiles, they experienced God's presence because the Holy Spirit had made them members of God's household. See, loneliness, feeling left out, they, these aren't foreign concepts to me, and I'm sure they're not to you. All of us have felt lonely at times. All of us have felt left out at times. And feeling lonely in the context of church is especially hard. So my my dad is a pastor. He's been a pastor my entire life until he retired a couple years ago. And so growing up, even though we moved around, our churches had... You know, the different churches I grew up in all had similar feelings because my dad was a pastor, right? There was, And and I got used to hearing just one preacher my entire life. And so when I finally left home, first to go to college and then to come here, it was extremely difficult for me to find a church that I felt connected to, that I felt at home, and, and to find a pastor that, that I felt connected with. And so for years, well, maybe not years. That might be a stretch. For a while, maybe years during college, definitely. College was was especially hard, but I, I bounced around. I, I, I tried different places. I went seasons without going to any church on a Sunday because I I just couldn't find a place where I felt connected. It was an extremely lonely time and I felt not even just disconnected from other believers and lonely in that sense, but I felt disconnected from God himself. I felt that because I couldn't connect with the church, then somehow I couldn't connect with God as well. And there became became a disconnect between me and God because I couldn't find this connection anywhere. I was feeling lonely. But see, when we read the Word of God here in Ephesians, we find that we experience God's permanent presence when the Spirit makes us members of His unified church. We experience God's permanent presence when the Holy Spirit makes us members of God's unified church so there's two parts of that statement we're going to look at today first is the spirit making us members of God's church and secondly experiencing God's permanent presence through that so we're going to look at these two things together so the spirit makes us members of God's church right first of all who is the Holy Spirit right to to, to talk about what the spirit does in our lives we're gonna we need to know who the Holy Spirit is thank you Amy. So the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God himself. The Holy Spirit is is a member of the Trinity, member of of what we call the Godhead, the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together making up the God of our Bible. The Holy Spirit is sent to us by Jesus. In John chapter 16, Jesus is knowing that he's going to be crucified soon and thereafter resurrected, sent back up to heaven. He knows this is happening. He tells his disciples, he said, I tell you, it is good for you that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate, the spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Right? So Jesus, knowing that he's about to physically leave his disciples and knowing what that would mean to them. He said, you know, it's actually good that I'm about to go. Because when I go, the Holy Spirit is going to come to you. Right? I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be with you. The Holy Spirit produces growth in the lives of believers. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the spirit or, or what happens when the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life. Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the spirit is, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of these grow in the life of, of the believer because of the Holy Spirit. It's not because of our hard work or our diligence to, to do everything the Bible says. It's because the Holy Spirit is living and active in our lives growing us into a greater picture of who Jesus has called us to be some names for the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible comforter counselor teacher intercessor I said it already but I got to say it again an advocate also calls the Holy Spirit the seal of our salvation the guarantee of our salvation the deposit of that seals our salvation until Christ comes back for us. That is who the Holy Spirit is in our lives. And so much more. But how does the Holy Spirit make us members of this church? Right? What, what, what happens there? How, how does that happen? First, we are saved by grace through faith. Earlier in chapter 2, if we, if we hop up to verses 4 and 5 and then 8, Paul says, but because of God's great love for us, he who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when you were dead in your transgressions, dead in your sins. It is by grace you have been saved. In verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. It goes on to say, not, not because of anything you've done, not because of any good you've done. It's all because of God's grace. And this is all because of the Holy Spirit's work in you. God has freely given us grace so that our sins can be forgiven when we believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, by this gospel, you are saved. In other words, what I'm about to tell you, this is how your sins were forgiven. You came to Christ and became members of God's family. Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried. He was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. So Jesus was crucified. He was buried. He rose again. There's witnesses to that. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believing in that is what saves us from our sins. And so when God looks at us, he no longer sees the debt of our sin because it's been paid by Jesus Christ in his death. He no longer holds that against us. Our debt has been wiped out, has been cleared out. And now we can be freely accepted into God's family. But what does it mean to be members of the church? That, that word member can mean a lot of different things. We talk about church membership, and, and that's necessary, but that's not what this is, right? It's not becoming a member of New Community Covenant Church. As important as that is, that's not what the Bible is talking about here. You can be a member of, of a lot of different things. You can be a member of social clubs, country clubs, all these different kind of groups, but that's not the same thing either. The Bible says that, here, here in Ephesians 2, that we are no longer strangers and aliens. Those words, strangers and aliens, have the idea of somebody who, who is temporarily passing through, but doesn't really, usually by ethnicity or nationality, doesn't really belong in that space. Isn't originally from that space. So a stranger, some, some of your translations might say sojourner or traveler, is somebody who is passing through from another land an alien or or some might might say foreigner is somebody who is residing there more permanently, but still doesn't have full citizenship or rights in that community. So yes, you are physically present there, but you're not really a member of this community. Paul says, no, that's not you anymore. When it comes to God, God has wiped that out. And you are now citizens in his kingdom and members of God's household. That word household is, is family. So you are citizens of God's kingdom and you are members of his family. And I love that it's that is a two part, right? Because citizenship, that's cool. I can identify with that to a certain degree. But that still feels a little cold. That still feels a little like political and, and diplomatic. But family, that's a whole nother step right there. Because we can all be citizens of the same country and I have no connection with you. I mean, look, we, we see that daily all around us, very little connection with one another, even though we all belong to the same place here, but family, that's a different type of connection. Now, citizenship is important because there's rights with that. There, there is a right standing within the kingdom and acceptance into the, into God's kingdom and the rights as heirs in that kingdom. But, but to be part of God's family. That's more than membership to a social club, right? It, it's more than something that, yeah, that, that seems kind of cool. Those are some fun people. Let me jump in and see what this is all about. You see, those kind of memberships can be given and revoked at somebody else's will whenever. But membership to God's family is different. This is a lifelong membership. And it's not based on any of your qualifications or credentials. There is nothing you have done to earn this membership. It was given to you freely. Same way that we are just born into our families, for better or worse. This is my family, my biological family, whether I like it or not. God has born us into his family. This is God's good grace to us. God could have given us salvation in many different ways that didn't include us belonging to his family. He could have said, okay, I'll wipe out your sins, but you still got to stay over there, right? Or you could be in my kingdom, but man, when you get there, I'm not going to hang out too much. I'm not going to be around too much. There's still some separation because I'm God and you're not. But no, he said, no, you are my sons, my daughters. You are my heirs in this kingdom. We are together in this. The Holy Spirit makes us members of God's unified church. What, What is this unified church that we are all now members of? if we believe that Jesus has died and rose again. First, it's unified. Again, I talked about earlier that that Paul is addressing some divisions within the church, between the Jews and the Gentiles. He says in verse 11, he said, Therefore, remember you that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who themselves call themselves the, the circumcised. So basically, he said, like, you Gentiles, you were born outside of the nation of Israel. The Jews were not. There is a special relationship there. But now they've been labeled uncircumcised and circumcised, right? So there's, there's the haves and the have-nots. So Paul is saying, like, r- look, remember, this is where you were born. You were on the outside looking in from that perspective. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hoping, without God in the world. That's a desperate situation. It's a desperate place to be. On the outside, without God, without hope. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Check check out this line. He has made the two groups one. He has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, the people in the Ephesian church, were they still Jews and Gentiles, ethnically, culturally? Yeah? Yeah. Right? So if you didn't know, yes, they were. But God within this church has now made these two distinct groups that at times clashed and butted heads and, and, and even hopefully outside of the church. Where, where, there was violence between the two groups and, and there was uh, oppressive forces back and forth and all God has made those two groups one within the church. I love the language. He destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. There is no human dividing line that separates us within the church. Look, we have invented so many different ways to keep ourselves separate from one another. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. Be lines along race, ethnicity, gender, age, geography, language, socioeconomic status, citizenship status, political leanings, right? We, we, we put up all these different things to separate us. All of those are destroyed and broken down within the church. Now, let me be clear. Those parts that are not sinful in those, I mean, some of those, we can take sinful leanings with those kind of things in the way we treat each other, but the gospel does not erase who we are and who God has created us to be god created you in his image the way you are he has placed you where he placed you put you in the circumstance that he has put you in for a reason for a purpose to reflect his image in those spaces and as that person that is not wiped away we we don't all become one kind of generic vanilla culture when we step inside the church the bible is very very clear on that but these things do not separate me from you anymore that is not now an excuse for you to be like, okay, I know you're a Christian, but you stay over there. I'll stay over here. We'll, we'll all be good. No, that's, that's been broken down. So that now these things that might make us distinct are not dividing lines, but can now be lines of restoration and healing between one another. As God looks at humanity, yes, he sees you in exactly the way he created you. But in terms of distinctions between people, God sees those who believe and are his people and those who are not. That's the only distinction that God makes. Again, it doesn't erase who you are, who he created you to be. But he does not separate along those lines. God's church is unified in that there are now no dividing lines between us. God's church is also timeless. I love that that Brandy, and we didn't communicate at all on this. We sang about the same God today. Because we have the same God, because God has always been loving his people in the ways he's been loving his people, because he has always been saving his people in the way he's been saving his people, we are now connected with every single believer throughout the course of history. They are our family. Years ago, my mom got into the whole genealogy thing. So she invested a lot of time searching online, calling relatives, um, visiting cemeteries, all of that. And she she traced our family, both her family and my dad's family, all the way back to the exact towns in European countries where they came from. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of years. Her family came from Holland, so she found the exact town where her family came from last my dad's a little bit from all over, but mainly England. She found the little, little village where his people came from. Like, and that's cool. That, that has some value. And the knowledge that I haven't yet, I would like to win it. But, but if I travel to those towns, there is a chance I can run into family there, blood family. And even if I don't, I could go to different places and say, my family lived here at some point. Like there were blodgets in this town and scudders, that's my side, in this town. But when I think about history, my spiritual family goes back to the creation. And I'm connected by family to every single believer throughout the course of history worldwide. So everywhere I go in this earth, not only am I connected to the people living there, those who believe, but I'm also connected to generations after generations who have occupied those places in the name of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11 lays out, um, sometimes called the the hall of faith, right? Uh, It it lays out all of these kind of spiritual giants that they seem to us. All these people of great faith that God used in amazing ways throughout the course of history. And then in chapter 12, the writer says, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Because we have all these people in our past, they're cheering us on, let's keep going and following after God. Again, the temptation, as was said earlier, temptation when we read about some of these kind of big figures in the Bible, we can kind of make them out to be superheroes. But they're our family, just like us. Struggling just like us, doing all, all the temptations, all the worries, all the concerns, serving the same God. And because of that, we are connected to them. The church is unified. It is timeless. But there's another aspect in that it's a continually growing living thing. Here in Ephesians, Paul says that, he uses two things. One one in, um, in verse 20, he says, the household of God is built on the foundation, past tense, it was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. But then in verse 22, it says, in him you also are being built together. So the church in its origination, was built past tense. It has been established, but it is still continually being built. How is that possible? Each one of us, Peter says in First Peter, are, are living stones. He said, you are like living stones. You're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Paul says here in verse 22 in Ephesians 2, You are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. If we look at this gymnasium, it's made out of bricks. I should have given one of our kids a task to count every brick in here to find out how many are in here. Sometimes you got to keep kids occupied for a while. But imagine all of these bricks just to make this part of the building. All of them individually stacked, mortared, stacked, mortared, built on top of each other to create this space. Now, if you go to an active construction site using similar materials, whether it's bricks or blocks or stones, you'll see the same process. Brick by brick, stone by stone, stacked on top of each other. And it's in process. It's continually being built up and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what the church is. The church is not complete. But it is actively being built up. And it's being built up with us. Because we are the stones that build the church. Again, not because of our great abilities, but because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And we are now part of this dwelling place for God. Think about that. A dwelling place for God. Here in Ephesians 2, Paul talks about us being a, a holy temple. That word temple doesn't just refer to... Throughout the Old Testament, the the entirety of the building, because there are many layers of the temple, given which one was was active at the time. There was some outer courts that anybody could travel through. There were some inner courts where just the Jews were allowed to go to. There's another dividing line, right? There was an an inner court that only the Jewish men could go to. The, The women had to stop. Then there was an inner inner court where the priests would go. And then there was the Holy of Holies in the very middle. That only the high priest could go in only once a year. That was the presence of God. So yes, you could worship in all the outside courts and places. Sacrifices were held out there. You could do all the activities of worship, all the prayer. But to be in God's presence was only allowed the whole the high priest once a year in that holy of holies. That word temple, that's what that is. The presence of God. Not the outside buildings, you know, all, all the, the different spots where you could just kind of stop through. And, you know, we, we picture Jesus flipping over tables, right? That's not what we're talking about. That's not the temple that Paul is talking about. He's talking about the presence of God. So the church is where the presence of God dwells. That dwelling place, that word dwells, is a permanent word. It's not that temporary moving around. It's not like I'm, I'm going to set up a tent here and then I'm going to move over here. This is where I live forever. We are those living stones being built up into that temple, that dwelling place for God. So when we gather together like this, we don't just gather with one another. We are not gathering to worship, to sing to, to pray to a God who is far off. And we know he hears. But we are gathering to meet with a God who is right here, literally right here in our midst. We are in his presence. God is in this room. A couple of application points. One, have you become a member of God's household? Have you believed in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Have your sins been forgiven by the grace of God? But if you have, I think it would be interesting to take stock of how connected you are to the church at large. Not just new community, but to the universal church, to believers everywhere. Our church experiences are varied. Some of us, church has not always felt like family. And it's good to be honest about that. But in what ways are we leaning into the family aspect of church? One of the reasons we do things like August community dinners are to create spaces for us to connect with one another. Not just socially as friends, but for encouragement, for strengthening for one another. We we have a, a church campfire coming up. We have activities like that, but you can create your own. I know many of you do that. Having people over, going to lunch after church, creating times where your families can be together. How much are we leaning into that on a regular basis? But also spend time evaluating how human dividing lines are keeping you from your church family. How have you been separated in the past and how are you still separated from other people? Physically or emotionally and spiritually connected to one another. So the Holy Spirit has made us members of God's unified church through the faith and the death and resurrection of Jesus. So how do we experience God's presence through this? In the Old Testament, God God's presence was a little bit more temporary. God's presence would come and go. He would meet with leaders at specific places, holy places, mountains. Again, in, in, in the, the tabernacle, in the, the Holy of Holies, sometimes he would be a, a physical pillar of cloud or fire. That would be a symbol, a sign of God's presence. But with the Holy Spirit, we have a permanent presence of God in our lives and with us. Again, 2 Corinthians 1 says, God has put his seal on us and given us a spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The Holy Spirit, if you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is inside of you right now. You have God with you. We call Jesus Emmanuel because he was God with us physically. But just because he is not with us physically does not mean you don't have Emmanuel with you. You have God with you everywhere you go. That's how Jesus literally right before he was taken up into heaven can say, surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Even though he's like, yeah, surely I'm with you. Bye. I'm leaving. But because the Holy spirit was coming, God has always desired to be with his people. Ezekiel 37 says my dwelling place shall be with them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. God desires to be with us. God's God's presence is good. Sometimes we can be, we can view God as kind of looking over our shoulders, waiting to smash us when we, when we screw up, but God's presence is good. God's presence. When he is with us, it's a delight to himself. Zephaniah three says, the Lord, your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. That's how God views being with you. It's a delight to him. But God's presence also brings strength and protection. Joshua nine says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Again, that was specific to Joshua, but because we have the Holy Spirit, we know God is still with us wherever we go, right? That applies to us as well. Psalm 23 talks about us going through the darkest valley, but I will not be afraid. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. No matter what I'm going through in life, I can be at peace because I know God is with me. God's presence brings joy. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Being in God's presence brings joy. It brings strength and protection and peace and comfort. And it's a delight to God himself. You ever been around people that you knew you were not a delight to them? That wasn't in my nose, but I know there's people. Look, because I've done it to other people. I know it happens when I walk in and be like, oh. Here he comes again. That's not how we are to God. When we are in his presence, it's a delight. How many parents, even though we love our kids, we hear our name called and it's like, oh no. Doesn't matter how old your kids are, right? There are times. There are times when hearing daddy is a great thing and I love it. There's also times when daddy It's like, no, no, I'm not home. But that's not how God does us. Because every time we are in his presence, it's a delight. Even if we're nagging with the same prayer over and over and over and over or bringing the same sin and confessing it over and over and over. God says, no, I love you. I want you with me. So how do we experience God's presence? Because this can feel like a mystical kind of thing. I know theologically, yes, God is here. But what does that actually mean? Like how? how do I experience that? So we can experience this individually as well as corporately because God is with us. the Holy spirit is inside of of us individually, but also there's that corporate dwelling place when we gather together. So individually we can experience God's presence. When we spend time praying, when we spend time individually studying God's word, when we make space to hear from him, to allow the Holy spirit to teach us, to speak to us. We experience it. When we look around and we see the work of his creation, we experience it when we serve other people, even though we are now entering into other people's space. But when we are serving, we experience God's presence. I think for a lot of us, especially those who have been in church for a while, that's familiar. We kind of, some of us have been taught to know how to experience God individually. But for some of us, the corporate part is a little bit mystical still. Right? What does it mean to actually experience God with other people? We experience God's presence when we hear the collective worship of our body. There is something different about being in a room full of people singing together versus, you know, just press and play on my phone or or just. I struggle with this, but singing on my own. Right. Just worshiping on my own. There's something different. If you've ever been to a large, large gathering of believers, worshiping together, singing together together. Man, that's got a different feel. There's a different presence there. Not that it's a different God. Not that he's only limited to certain environments. But it's a different feel of a presence. We experience it differently. We experience the, the collective presence of God when somebody prays for us. When somebody lays their hands on you and prays over you. We experience this, the collective presence of God through the care that we receive from one another. If I'm hurting, if I'm struggling, and one of you comes alongside of me and cares for me, that's the presence of God. We experience this when we hear how God is working in other people's lives. When somebody comes up and shares what God is doing, shares a testimony of what God has done, that is God's presence here in this room. We experience it when God works through our church collectively to reach those outside of the church. There's a reason that when we, we just had the, the NCO fun fair, right? There's a reason that when you serve at the NCO fun fair and you see all of new community out there, there's a reason you feel a certain amount of joy and satisfaction and gratitude through that. Why? Because you're in the presence of God. You are not just helping people in the neighborhood. You are not just having fun running some games and doing. You are in the presence of God with one another. So, how do you experience God this week? I want you to think of the times when you really felt God's presence clear in your life. And I'll be honest: for some of that, some of us, that might be a stretch. Some of us have not felt the presence of God very closely recently. But think about the times when you have felt God's presence, both individually as well as collectively, corporately. And take note of, of what you were doing, what you were experiencing at the time, what was happening around you. We don't create times necessarily to, to kind of coax God into being with us. Again, he is with us. But certain activities allow us to experience God's presence in different ways. So do a little evaluating. What... When have I felt God's presence and what was going on? Maybe there's things I have gotten away from that I need to get back to, to experience God's presence in that way. Lean into this week, lean into some new ways to experience God's presence. Um, There are ways that we can experience God that might be a little uncomfortable. Maybe it's not part of your church tradition, wherever you're coming from. But there are good ways to lean into God's presence that we might not have tried before. Again, I, I just said this a little bit ago sing at home during your personal quiet time. I don't do this. I probably should. But incorporate like the, the musical worship of God into your quiet time. Maybe you don't want to sing. Cool. But incorporate some of that. In my background, quiet time was you're going to read this, the Bible. You're going to take some notes. You're going to pray. That's it. That's quiet time. But being in God's presence is so much more. So incorporate those new things. Incorporate just being still and some of those other elements of of spending time in God's presence there. Invite someone to take a walk with you and intentionally pay attention to the beauty of God's creation while you share what God is doing in your lives. So it's an intentional walk, not just, Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Let's go take a walk. I mean, that's good. We need to do that. But while you're doing that walk, pay attention to the world around you that God has given you that God has created for you to enjoy and reflect together on what God is doing in your lives. Get a a new devotional or or start a devotional with with someone else. Do that, that corporate quiet time together. Some of us struggle to have that individual set aside time. Invite somebody else into that presence. That is not a sign of spiritual immaturity. God has created us to be together, to grow together, to study together. So do that. Reach out and do something together with somebody else. Get involved with another church or another ministry's local outreach. New community is not the only place that you can serve. Now, especially if you're a member, you need to be serving in some capacity here. That is our call to the local church. But we are not the only ones doing good or doing God's work. And especially for those of us who might live in other neighborhoods, there are local churches, local ministries. If you're not living in Bronzeville that you can get involved in. Be part of what God is doing there. Lastly, gather with other believers intentionally. Spend time in prayer with one another. Some of us are good at gathering, but we're not always intentional about what we do while we gather. And again, this isn't to say that every time you get together with somebody, you have to have some kind of biblical component. You know, we're, we're going to go hang out and have dinner, but let me, we got to have a quick Bible study just to make this okay. No, but there are times where we we just, as we're gathering, we're talking about what's going on. Man, let me pray for you real quick. I know you've been dealing with this. Let me, let's me let stop and pray together. All of this is how we experience God. We experience God's permanent presence because, again, the Spirit has made us members of God's unified church. So God is always with us. No matter where you go, no matter what you are doing, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, God is with you. If you hear nothing else, I want you to know that, that God is with you. Through the the power of the Holy Spirit, he's brought us together into a body, into this temple. And because God is here in the lives of one another, in the lives of us together, collectively, when we gather, church is where we need to be when we are feeling lonely or disconnected. Again, I know sometimes we can feel that loneliness and that disconnection within church, but that's something to lean into, not run away from. This is where we find our connection with God, with one another. This is where we feel the presence of God, especially in those times where we're not really sure if we want to. This is where we feel God's presence. This is where we experience it together. Again, not because this is some kind of friendly social club and we will make everybody feel good, but because we know that God is here. When we hear stories of answered prayer, we know that God is here. When we see our children serving one another and serving in the church, like Ryan did this morning, we know that God is here. When we see people being transformed by the love of God, we know that he is here. When we see relationships formed across every barrier that we can imagine that separates us, we know that God is here. When we see a group of people loving their community in meaningful ways, we know that God is here. And you are a part of the reason that God is here, because God is with you. And whether you feel it in this moment or not, God is here with you and with us. We are the living stones making up this dwelling place for God. So this week rest in the reality that you are constantly in the presence of an ever-loving, ever-gracious God. And you are joined together with the church worldwide In that presence. Father God, we thank you for inviting us, including us, drawing us into your family. Thank you that you did not leave us far off, but through your love and your grace, you have brought us near to yourself. And you have brought us near to one another so that together we can experience your presence. Father, help us to lean into that. Help us to push back on the loneliness, on the individualism of our society. Help us to push back on the many ways that that Satan tells us that we are not worthy to be with you. That we do not belong here. Father, remind us in very tangible and practical ways this week that we are in your presence because you are always with us. Father, thank you for your grace in Jesus' name.